Hey guys, uh, in today's podcast, you're going to be listening to a conversation I did at, at Facebook in Dubai in the Middle East. Super excited about it. Some interesting insights, the marketing and mindset, uh, a, a couple of nuggets that I think some of the hardcore daily listeners will really enjoy. Please enjoy. Have the best day ever. And uh, please hit me up on Twitter, Gary B-E-E, and tell me how you're enjoying the podcast. See ya. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Because we're going to be Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. We have a very, very special treat for us today. Uh, welcome to Through the Lens, uh, which is a Facebook Live series where we shed the light on thought leaders in the creative space. And today we have Gary V himself in hello. the house. Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Welcome, first of all, to the Middle East. Thank um, you. It's, you mentioned that you've been here before a couple of times. What's your impressions about our region? What, what, you know, what are your, you know, you've been here for a day. What are your thoughts? I think there's a huge naivete to the sheer size and scope of, uh, of the region. When you factor in the smartphone usage and the social, social usage, it's interesting for me that people spend so much time looking at places like India and other places without actually realizing how big the addressable market is. I think the sheer youth, um, there's, a un, there's a palpable explosion of entrepreneurship and optimism specifically here in the UAE. Um, and so, you know, to me, I'm extremely bullish on the energy of it all um, and, uh, and the sheer consumption of mobile creative is, uh, is I think, underrated on the global scale. Uh, and that, that fascinates me. So we have a very young population, as you might know. We have 70% under 30. We're a 400 million people uh, population, and we have a massive saturation of, of TV industry. We have actually the highest free-to-air satellite per capita in the world, um, but we have extremely low ad per capita revenue. What, how do you think we can get out of that paradigm as a, as, a, as a region? What do you think the opportunities are for people who are in the more kind of new age media uh, in this space? Look, I think some of it is just moments in time. I think when you look at the shopper behavior, when you think of kind of the e-commerce growth, when you, when you kind of look at the influencer uh, penetration we've seen in the region, uh, to me it's, it just becomes a game of a matter of time. I think a lot of the ad spend is more predicated on the past formats than the clear uh, explosion of, of modern uh, format and, and platforms in the area. And I think anybody who's a practitioner of digital media spending and creative, especially on the contemporary digital landscapes, recognizes the sheer opportunity. To give you anecdotally, uh, the most remarkable thing, and I've been building my personal brand for a decade, no question, and I've been talking about this a bunch in the US, it's, it's literally a 10-day phenomenon. It actually has nothing to do with my trip to the region. I have uh, an Instagram account where I translate all my creative into Arabic. And I, as a macro thesis, think that Instagram story ads are grossly underpriced for the size and sheer opportunity. In our region. In the world. In this, my team translated some of my most popular content into Arabic and we ran it against Arabic speaking people in the world. I'm achieving 1.9 cent follows. Not engagements, not impressions. 1.9 cent follows. 
a data point that I've never seen. Not on my own stuff, not on the hundreds of startups that I help do marketing, not on any of my clients. It just speaks to my biggest thesis of the region, which is there's so many people consuming and not enough people spending, so I'm just taking advantage of the arbitrage. Uh, And very frankly, the reason I'm willing to say it publicly is most people do nothing about the free advice I give. Uh, you mentioned influencers, and yes. we have we have this is you know a big trend, a big buzzword now that's coming around, and there's even talk about like there's oversaturation of influencers. What what advice do you give someone who's who's starting out, who wants to be an influencer, who wants to carve out their niche? Uh, the two things I always tell influencers to, or aspiring influencers to think about is number one, you can only do one of two things, in my opinion, to really have a sustained career. Number one actually talk about something you're knowledgeable in, or two, document your journey. You may be fortunate enough that you're grossly attractive or super funny or a couple of other things that humans are attracted to, but I think that what I've been most fascinated by as somebody who's watched the influencer space for quite a while, I started an agency when Vine popped just for influencers, so we're taking it back a step, is it's very obvious who has long careers and who has short careers, and it's what makes me love human beings. You know, we talk about authenticity and transparency. They're such cliches, but they have been the foundation of the influencers that have been able to last versus the ones that haven't. And so I think too many people are faking it until they make it, and I think that's making them extremely vulnerable. So my biggest advice to influencers is speak about something you're knowledgeable about, even if it's super narrow or boring. It's a, it's a skill. Uh, or if you're just charismatic, funny, attractive, don't try to play the part of somebody who's already made it. Document the journey of the aspiration to make it. It's a far more attractive, authentic narrative. Two questions. Do you want to give a shout out to maybe an account or two that you follow that you think are kind of doing it right? Sure. Um, uh, Who's really doing a good job? To me, the accounts that are doing the best are also deeply uh, ingrained in their communities. Um, And so, um, somebody that I think is uh, really doing, (laughs) it's really funny. What, I don't know how many of you have consumed me for a long time, my inability to answer a question is almost zero. It's funny that I'm struggling so much to answer this, I'll tell you why. I do not consume anything. Like, what you just watched is one of my most authentic moments. I don't consume other platform brands, I don't consume other influencers, the only thing I do is consume my audience and the audience of things that pop in culture. So, if something hits the zeitgeist, a Netflix show, a rapper, a new product, I'll go read without even, I once read over five to 10,000 comments on Cardi B without ever listening to a single song. So the reason I'm struggling to answer your question is I like to be historically correct. If I'm gonna co-sign somebody, I'd like to know. Uh, Tanner Fox, Tanner Fox I think does a good job uh, producing very interesting content and actually has a depth of caring about his audience. So I would give him a shout out. Um, But I really struggle with that question because that's not what I can, I'm not worried about what other influencers are doing. I'm worried about every comment that I'm getting on my content and or things that have hit the macro zeitgeist, the comments onto what people feel about that. Cool. 
The other question is about creating content. I mean, I think our audience can see, but you have a crew that follows you all the time with, with cameras. Yes. Um, which is very interesting. What's your yes. ROI on that? What's, what's your philosophy? What are the red lines, uh, you know, where, where, where you know, they go home? <laughs> yeah. So three years ago, I decided to have a man follow me around with camera at all times. It was the hardest and easiest decision I've made as a professional. It was hard because I knew that nobody was really doing it and I wasn't looking forward to the judgment of narcissism and ego and some of the things that I knew would come along with having somebody follow me around. It was the easiest because the reason that I am a 15 hour a day executive yet am putting out more content than any influencer in the world is because I've created a framework where by filming myself at all times, I'm creating articles, pot, I have a top 100 global podcast and I don't sit down and do a podcast. I strip the audio out of things like this. The amount of content that I'm about to produce from this one sitting is staggering. My life is one big game of meta creation. I will write two LinkedIn articles, a Medium post, have a podcast, have seven meaningful Instagram and Facebook videos, a long-form YouTube episode, and a long-form Facebook watch, all from just this sitting. Amazing. So, now that it's become more common and there's many D-Rocks following around many people. D-Rock. That's right. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've heard the name a lot. It's been a, it's a lot more fun now because now I get to be the godfather of something instead of the lonely person being judged. And I also have three and a half years of experience to disproportionately understand how to create content at scale from the filming of a day. Anything off limits? Yeah, I mean, you know, I fire people, I have client meetings, these are things that I can't record. I think one of the things for the people that follow me the closest that's probably interesting is I produce no content with my family. Mm. My family time is completely off limits. It's something my wife and I decided a long time ago and, and it's extreme. Like there's very little to almost nothing, especially in the last six or seven years, nothing of my kids or my wife. And so, you know, this is why I remind people, you're in full control. Like, you're in full control. And so, um, and by the way, I have cute kids. I'm super sad, I'm missing out on a lot of likes. Um, <laughs> but it's funny, I see a lot of people judging me yet use their children as collateral for engagement. And I laugh at the uh, lack of people understanding the big picture. Cool. Shifting gears a little bit, you've always been a massive advocate for, for our platforms and you know, recently we've been debated a little bit uh, about a few things. Um, and Which is the best for me. I'm an unemotional trader of attention. So the more people buy into headlines that have nothing to do with the ad value or the attention on the platform, the better for me. Nobody's been more excited about Facebook's bad press in the last 18 months than me personally. I'm, I'm being dead serious. My stock price isn't as good, but it's, that pales into comparison to the amount of attention that I've been able to siphon off of Instagram and Facebook to build my brand and the brands I care to build because people are making business decisions based on headlines. So, so I guess my question is straight on that. I guess fundamentally the philosophical discussion whether that attention trading which has been captivated by social for the recent past, do you see a shift in that? Or it do you could. It could, and honestly, I'm unemotional about that. Like, if people decide that they have to be off the phone 24 hours a day, I'm gonna be disproportionately curious about where they're putting their attention and how do I penetrate it. 
Right? I mean, like, I'm unemotional about this. Like, if everybody wants to go, if the internet disappeared tomorrow, I'd be thrilled because I'm at my best when the game resets. You know, like, I'm gonna destroy voice. I will be the best executor of penetrating voice devices in the world. I believe that to be true. Why? Because now I'm at scale and yet I still have the humility to love starting at zero and the only thing I care about is bringing value to consumers because that's where the leverage is. So every idea I have on what I'm gonna do on voice is predicated on bringing value which is why I've always won every game. So I don't know. and honestly, I'm fascinated. I laugh when, when, when Tim Cook says that he's using less time on his phone. He hasn't innovated in a decade, right? He has vested interest in the words coming out of his mouth. He's also playing on his legacy as a good human over being an executive of a company. Like, people are doing different things and I respect that tremendously. But I'm very thoughtful about every word out of everybody's mouth. More importantly, I'm fascinated by people's actions versus their PRing ability of themselves publicly. People are really good at hashtagging Me Too and Black Lives Matter, but then they don't live their lives that way. So, I love that everybody's saying, less social media, less technology, only to see that their behavior is going more into technology. Fair. Going, going a little bit, I mean, without trying to predict the future, what is um, kind of like, you know, what are apps you're excited about, trends you're excited about? I know just, you were big on voice. Musical.ly. Just voice. Voice. This company's most fascinating thing for me, unless Zux has some secret warehouse or some M&A strategy around voice, the biggest vulnerability to Facebook is not the bad press, it's not being a leader in voice. Voice is a big deal. Final question that are giving me this thing. I know you're big on the Jets and, and having the Jets dream. Yes. Um, for many people that might be a relevant <laughs> reference here, but. I'm, an, I'm a huge American football fan. The New York Jets are my favorite team. They have not won the championship since January 12th, 1969. <laughs> I've, I've decided that the only way that I'm gonna find happiness is if I buy them myself and win the championship my damn self. So that's my question. How important for anyone to have a dream to own the Jets? I think everybody, let me tell, and I'll, I know we gotta run, but this is the punchline. I'm gonna be super fine if I never buy the Jets. The process of trying to buy the Jets has been the great gift of my life. I think everybody needs to find something that they love the process more than what the process brings them. That's when you actually live a fulfilled life. Where you don't need the victory in the end, playing the game in the first place was the victory. That's what chasing the Jets is for me. That's what being a purebred entrepreneur is for me. That's what running a marathon and being historically correct is for me. I don't need the short-term economics. I need to play the game. Gary, pleasure. Looking forward to you again. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.